Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tomorrow, the Brown South UCF welcomes 15th-ranked Oklahoma State. The Cowboys have won five in a row, including their rival win against uh, Oklahoma in Bedlam last week. Head coach Gus Malzahn, the UCF Knights, joins us as he does on Fridays before UCF football game. Mark Daniels and Mike Bianchi. Coach, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. Last week, your team did what that gave you uh, a well-needed win? What did you feel that they did uh, to get that victory? Well, they, they made plays at the end of the game to help us win, really, in all three phases. And that's really what stood out to me. Our guys played extremely hard. Um, you know, Cincinnati's a, a tough place to get a victory at. And uh, they found a way at the end to make the plays to, to win the game. We hadn't done a lot of that this year, but that was very encouraging. Hopefully, it'll give us some momentum, you know, for this week. Coach, winning the turnover battle it sounds basic, but it is evident for your football team. You won it last week. And, I mean, I know every game you go in trying to win that, you can't. Uh, always predict how the ball is going to bounce, but how critical is that stat in every game that your team's playing in? Well, it's very critical. It's very critical for us. Um, you know, we hadn't done a very good job of taking care of the football really until last week. If you really look at the games that we played well and won, we took care of the football. We got to do that again t- tomorrow, uh, and we got to get turnovers too. Coach, uh, Mike Bianchi here. Oklahoma State uh, wasn't picked to finish very high in the Big 12. In fact, they started out slow. They got beat by South Alabama earlier in the season. What are they doing now that they weren't doing earlier in the season? Well, they found their identity. Uh, They settle in with a quarterback. Um, He's a veteran guy that really throws the ball well. You can tell he's played a lot of football. Then the running back, I mean, they're a downhill team. Put the guy in the pistol. I've given it to him, you know, 30-plus times, I guess, for the last four games. It's really worked well for them. Um, you know, they're, they're an attacking-style defense. They have a new defense coordinator. You can tell early on they were trying to figure out the run fits and everything that goes with it. You know, the last half of the season has been very impressive to watch. You know, this is one of the hottest teams in all in college football right now. So, real excited for the opportunity that we have against these guys. You just mentioned Ollie Gordon. He's had nearly 300 yards in two of the last three games, 135 yards at least in the last five games. We know the issues you've had with run defense this year. What what are you guys, and I don't want you to give, give away any strategy, but what have you guys worked on this week in like containing the edge, stopping the run, all of that? Yeah, that, that, that's been uh, you know at the forefront. I mean, that's going to be the bottom line, that's being able to stop the run and trying to, you know, schematically, you know, scheme them up, you know, better than we have. So we worked really hard to do that. Our guys are excited. You know, this this guy, you know, he's, uh, I guess he's leading the country in rushing yards. And really, you look at him, you know, it hadn't been but the last five games they made a commitment to give it to him. So it'll be a great challenge for our defense. Uh, I know they're looking forward to, to playing against the guy. Coach, I got a stat that you might uh, even find hard to believe, but it, it's a compliment to him and, to a degree, your line. Uh, yards before contact per rush. UCF is number one in the country at 3.92. Uh, 
for R.J. Harvey, who again was a dual-threat quarterback uh, uh, slash runner when he came into high school, what impresses you of somebody that you know ha- hasn't been a running back for eight, nine years, but you've watched now for three years develop? Well, you're exactly right. He's, he's developed. Uh, he's gotten better every year. He's gotten really better every game. He's starting to game starting to slow down for him. And he made a really you know, impressive run last week. Uh, he's very patient. One of our linemen kind of got pushed to the backfield. He kind of sidestepped to the left. He hit the hole and he went back out to the right. And, you know, I've been real blessed to coach some really, really special running backs in my time. And he's starting to establish himself as one of those guys. Defensively, Trayvon Morris-Brash leads the conference and among the national leaders in sacks and a, a, a TFL's tackle for a loss. Uh, but it's actually last night the radio show, how much is the interior line helping him, uh, you know, put, I mean, obviously he's having a great year, but how much has the other guys helped him? Yeah, I think it all works together, you know, up front. You know, when you've got a special guy, you know, they get a lot of attention and the other guys got to step up, you know, especially when they get single blocks. So, you know, I think it's a compliment, but, you know, Drop is a dynamic player. I mean, he really is quick off the edge. Um, got a lot of Hey, Coach, how important would it be to make a bowl game your first year in the Big 12? Yeah, I mean, it'd be very important. Uh, to be honest with you, we're just focused on this one. We just made a commitment after the uh, mid- mid-season uh, mark. that we're going to take one game at a time. And so we're focused mm-hmm. on this one. Picture, obviously, common sense. That would be big. But, man, we got our hands full with this one. This is a great opportunity you know, for this year's team and for our program. Uh, we've won the top teams at the Big 12, you know, coming to the bounce house. Also, it seemed like JRP last week getting healthier and healthier. Um, his, his runs looked a little stronger last week. What are you seeing from him health-wise? Yeah, you know, we had a couple design runs for him, you know, last week. And we hadn't done that since he's been injured, you know. But he is able to make plays with his feet. It opens up everything else for us. And so I thought that was big, and, you know, hopefully that will continue. Coach, uh, I know you probably have crossed paths during an offseason with Mike Gundy, uh, not playing Mike, uh, uh, but what's your uh, uh, thoughts? Uh, it's hard in, in this business to be in a place as long as he's been, and you know he's been creative. So so what uh, uh, what comes to mind when you think of Coach Gundy? Yeah, you know, what comes to mind is he does it his way. Um, I always have respect for the guys that do it their way, and he's had great success for somebody to stay at a school like that that long. Um, you know, it says a lot about him. And, uh, he's a very, very good football coach. He's got a lot of guys that have been with him a long time. Uh, you know, he has a history of bringing up, you know, lower-level college um, coaches, giving them opportunities. His coordinator right now is doing a super job. He's one of those. So uh, he's one of those big-time coaches that uh, does it his way. You mentioned earlier about Alex Bowman, the quarterback. Uh, he's a veteran, Texas Tech into Michigan what clicked on? Because, uh, you know, again, they were using three guys. Mike was playing, a, you know, his son as one of the three quarterbacks. But, I mean, we're talking about Lake Gordon, but what changed for Bowman? Yeah, I think that just the commitment that they went with him. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you're rotating quarterbacks, it's a challenge for a lot of different reasons. When you finally settle in on one and, and he has success, you know, the team gets confidence. That's what's happened with him. And like I said earlier, you can really tell he's a veteran guy. You know, he's played a lot of football. And, 
Coach, I have one last one uh, based on what's going on in college football right now. I'm just wondering, how much care do you guys take in camouflaging your signals to keep the other team from sort of knowing what your signals are? Do you change those signals regularly? How do you protect against things like that? Yeah, I mean, you got to constantly. First of all, you have to have a system that is flexible enough to make changes, you know, from not just week to week, but sometimes in, in game. Uh, you know, since, you know, I got college football at the very first, you know, there wasn't uh, signs stealing going on. And it seems like, you know, as more than no huddle teams have come about, that's just part of the game as far as, you know, getting information and watching TV copies and all that. Now, people filming, that's a completely different story. But, you know, as far as the, the signs, uh, you know, stealing things and stuff like that, it's been going on a long time, just, you know, watching the sideline and trying to predict you know, what they're going to be on defensively or offensively. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow. Coach Gus Miles on and uh, thoughts on Oklahoma State. Uh, by the way, yesterday I said this, and maybe we'll talk about Michigan later on the bridge. Um, I predict the next three months, Mike, that uh, the uh, the NCAA will confirm that they'll move forward with the NFL uh, helmet technology next year. I think that'll be fast-tracked. And then I also think um, anywhere from eight to a dozen schools will get called out for exactly what Michigan's doing as well. Mm. Maybe wow. not at the uh, wow. high level of what Connor Stallions was doing, but people are going to start pointing fingers. I, I, I think there are a number of coaches nervous in college football right now about what comes out. Do you know UCF signals? Can you read the signals, Daniels? No. I don't. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> no, I look, I talk to coaches, but I don't go, hey, what, what? Uh-huh. What, what what's the signal for this? And, and uh, no, but UCF, like a lot of teams, they use what I think three or four guys. One guy's hot, and the other guys are just throwing dummy signals and everything. And um, but I, I I don't know, nor do I want to know what the signals are. We played a clip earlier today from Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach, and they asked him about the you know the Purdue story, and he he just flat out denied it. Daniels. Yeah, and I heard you say that that that. There's nothing wrong in asking the question, and he gave you the answer. Now, if evidence comes out that he lied, okay, but he he answered the question. By the way, the quick update is that uh, there are a couple of different reports, ESPN and and I think uh, uh, The Athletic reporting that it's possible uh, that the Big Ten may issue um, a penalty sometime this afternoon. The flight from Ann Arbor leaves at 1 o'clock. They they might should do it before then, right? Yeah, and, and uh, my did God. you hear the the Pete Thamel stuff? I mean, we played a clip from Pete Thamel. Michigan's gonna get a temporary injunction. They have a judge standing Is by. Is this what it's come to? Yes. Huh? Yes, they have a judge standing by because the courts are closed today up there for uh, uh, <laughs> Veterans Day, and they have a judge standing uh, by. And uh, I'm sure that does the judge have a gar- uh, does the judge have a maize and blue robe on? Yeah, the only thing I can think of, Mike, is that Michigan has, you know, gone the PR route of we're going to challenge you in court and you know, this, this, this. I just wonder, and, and maybe it, it won't be proven true today, I just wonder if it's been their approach to kind of scare the Big Ten into don't do it, don't do it. And then I wonder if Tony Petiti also says, look, you want the evidence to come out? Because to some degree, Mike, they can issue a penalty today. Let's say they suspend Harbaugh for two games. They could issue a penalty today with the release of 
evidence and not get into specific details. Just say, hey, we came across this, 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 this. I almost wonder if, if they're calling Michigan's bluff like, you want to go to court? You want to do this? Because if we go there, do you want all the evidence to come out? Because if all the evidence comes out, you're not going to be in a position to defend yourself anymore. So that's what I think is the showdown that may be happening in the next five to six hours. Do you, do you think, say they came out with a two-game suspension, do you think that would satisfy people like me? Because no. I, I think no. I think cheating and getting an unfair advantage to win games is, is that deserves more than no, a two-game No, this game is a classic story where the two sides have dug in and it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, I think you and I agree. The Big Ten is not going to ban Michigan. Now, this would be fascinating. Ready for this one, Mike? Can you imagine if they mm-hmm. said, can you imagine if the Big Ten said that the evidence that they've got warrants a, uh, 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 warrants a suspension of being eligible for the Big Ten title, but not the college football play? Can you imagine if Michigan is made ineligible for the title game and doesn't have to play that game but could still be picked for the playoff? Well, when you think about it, that the Big Ten should not be able to dictate whether they're eligible for the college football playoff, but the Big Ten should be able to say, well, hey, you can't win the conference championship this year, right? Right, but what I'm saying is we've had teams that if they didn't have to play in the championship game would have made the 14 playoff that then lost in the championship game and cost them a spot in the playoff. You would almost be helping Michigan by saying, hey, you don't have to play that extra game if they went that route, and I don't know if they're going to go that route. But. No, Daniels, if Michigan is in the, eligible to win the Big Ten title, the college football playoff committee is not going to put them in the playoff. But could you imagine that being the story? <laughs> Mike, I think that though, uh, 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 I'm guessing at 845 this morning that Michigan's people will be in a court this afternoon filing for an injunction to have Harbaugh a coach. Wow. Sad. Sad. All right, straight ahead. Good golly, Miss Molly. Can the night stop Ollie? We're going to get into that story. We're going to get into the can the Gators slow down the highest ranked offense in the country? Also, can Miami ruin Florida State's national championship hunt run? We'll get into all that next on The Bridge. First at 3 p.m. The Bridge on FM 96.9 The Game, powered by Advent Health. That is right. Advent Health and their Children's Day of Giving is coming up December 13th to help local children spending their holidays in the hospital. Be part of Advent Health for Children's Day of Giving. Again, coming up. Uh, It's going to help pay for necessities like housing and transportation for families whose kids are undergoing treatment in our community. Donate now at GiveForKidsToday.com. 1993 is the musical theme. Yes, sir. Houston sounding good. Just a bit outside. Now the two-one pitch. Nah, Daniels, I have no idea. And three my, one. Not my genre. Swing and a miss. It's full count. Is that uh, the hint? Price is right. 
host Drew. Drew Carey, uh, Mariah Carey. Which is ridiculous because Bob Barker's the only host of the Five Days, right? Or Dennis James for the nighttime version. Daniels, we need to take care of a little housekeeping here. We all do right. a free for all. We do a free for all Friday every week where our listeners can ask any question they want. And this guy's been asking this question for three days. We haven't answered him. Um, it's from Boston Rick. He wants to know what the hell does the guy scream after he says we're about to blast off during our blast segment. KV, play that real quick. Can you do that? You feel that? Oh, I can feel it. We're about to blast off. Just took it to my veins. It's time. Just took it to my... What does he say? Just took it to my veins? I believe it's from uh, The Simpsons, Simpsons. And, and it's like, just stuck it to my veins. Like He says, just hook it. Just, yeah. just hook it to my veins. Yeah. Hook it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I didn't even know that. Wow. Now you know. Okay. All right. Um, another Ask Mark question. Today is Bud Hedinger's last day at our sister station, WFLA. He's been the morning the Bud man. Uh, news. The Bud Man from the 50,000-watt front porch at WFLA. What What's the Bud Man's uh, legacy as a radio-slash-TV broadcaster in our community, Daniels? Well, uh, you know, Bud was a TV legend uh, before I got to Orlando. I think Bud started in 68 or 69 and uh, then worked for uh, a number of years in TV. And he was with um, Channel 9 uh, for a few years in the 80s and then uh, started doing radio, uh, I want to say, I don't know the exactly that Bud started back here, but Bud's. And I mean, it's ultimate compliment. He's the traditional classic news anchor of years ago with a great set of pipes. Um, made people feel comfortable when you turn the television and Bud Hedinger was there to tell you what was going on. And then, uh, regardless of your politics, I think Bud, to a degree like you, Mike, you know, developed their uh, skills and personality on radio. And as he got comfortable in the talk format, then I think really developed a following with his views and and yet never deviating much of what was the news person in him in, in presentation of here's the story here's what's happening here's why it's important then he may have given you um you know his views social and and political views but i have great respect for bud you know crossing paths every morning to some degree here you get to know somebody and over the years um you know bud and i have had great conversations about sports and things like that so i'm happy for bud um, that uh, he's going to go and uh, enjoy some quality time with the family. Uh, you know, Bud has shared these. He's battled some uh, health challenges in recent years and uh, doing much better now and uh, should celebrate a great career for Bud. So I had a, they had a going-away party for Bud at, at the radio studio yeah. um, a couple days ago. You know who called in? I do, but I'll let you tell the audience. Bob Costas. I didn't know Bud Bud knew Bob they Costas. They played baseball together years ago. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and, and the people here uh, somehow found a way to reach out to Costas because you know, they'd heard, and 
you're thinking, I don't know if we're going to reach out and, and is he going to respond. And apparently Bob was like, absolutely, what do you need? And then he cut that video awesome. talking about uh, Bud Hedinger. Of course, he that does awesome. it with all of his Emmys behind him. <laughs> of course he does. Want Bob. Wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Probably, yeah. So, um, hey, real quick, uh, before we get into the actual UCF game, uh, I think Kravitz is calling for UCF fans to storm the field if they he's beat not, Oklahoma State. Nah, that's, that, that, huh? Well, I don't think he's calling. I mean, that was a Twitter thing that's taken off. Oh, is that what it's, I was wondering where it came from? Because Kravitz has had it a, as a topic. What, what's the? What's the? Is there a movement to storm the field? I don't know. I, I did see one tweet that is kind of funny and fits. It's like, well, if you're going to storm the field, you got to stay for the second half for those that have been leaving. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> you know. That's funny. So, yeah. I mean, look. Uh, it's going to be hard to top the 2017 South Florida game, but since then, this would be the biggest opportunity at a home game to you know beat a respected brand that's now nationally ranked. And as you've said, hey, the win last week against Cincinnati was nice, but can you beat someone that's been in the Big 12? And it's going to be a big challenge tomorrow, yeah. but the stage is set. And again, that's why you love the league you're playing in now because every one of these games um, just means something even if you're not in a conference race because of all the things that you still want to accomplish. So uh, we'll pause, uh, let the audience in Tallahassee go their way. If you want to keep listening to Mike and I on the bridge, go to the iHeart app, search 96.9 The Game. Mike and I come back with more of the bridge after we pause for station identification. We had this debate this morning. It started on our text line yesterday. Miami, Florida State, obviously not not the big game or huge game. It was back in the nineties and early two thousands. But I'm curious, Daniels, do you think Miami is still Florida State's biggest rival? Because I think it was only the case back during when this was a mega game. I don't think that I think Florida is Florida State's biggest rival. I agree, and I, I think even if you go back to the great era of Florida State-Miami games and all the history of you know wide rights and things like that, um, there's a different level of respect than it is of a sports hatred between Florida and Florida State. I think Miami yeah. and FSU kind of felt like, hey, when we play, we got all these potential NFL guys out there, the game for a number of years was almost like an elimination game in the national championship race. And I think it was it it's always been different. I don't think there's like this hatred in a sports sense like you have with uh, Florida and Florida State. Yeah, and plus I, I tried to put I tried to clarify this earlier and I didn't say it very well, but what I was trying to say is Miami and Florida State, I do think there is sort of a mutual respect, and they rally around, they both rally around their hatred of the Gators. <laughs> because Miami hates the Gators because the Gators dropped them from the schedule years ago. Whoa, um, whoa, we're play a more national schedule, Mike. Yeah, yeah, and then they played Montana State the next week. National? Or the next year. Yeah, remember what Bobby Bowden used to say? They're going to put it on my tombstone after he would lose a wide right game. They're going to put it on my tombstone. At least he played Miami. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, 
Can my, does Miami have a shot at Florida State? I think they uh, have a, a bit of a shot because of their defense. I was going to say, Miami's defense is going to have to be the reason. And again, this defense has some dudes and playmakers out there. They do. Um, and if Miami's secondary is on its game, and then, you know, at times a decent pass rush, I think that's how they stay in the game by, you know, the turnover on the FSU side of the field that shortens the field. But, Mike, it's a troubling sign that Mario Cristobal didn't flat out say there is no quarterback issue. Todd Van Dyke is starting the game. And even right now, we still don't really know who the starting quarterback is going to be tomorrow. My guess is it's going to be Todd Van Dyke. But you just worry about the player that you've seen the last month if you're a Miami fan. There's just nothing that indicates he's going to be like the guy that played against Texas A&M. If you tell me now, Miami's offense against Texas A&M and the defense is going to Tallahassee, absolutely I would think they can win. I'm not saying they will win, but I just don't know what you're getting out of the offense. So if Miami's going to have a chance, their defense is going to have to be the reason that they're in the football game in the fourth quarter. If I'm Miami because of all the mistakes Tyler Van Dyke is making, and as you just mentioned, as we've been talking about, Miami's defense is still pretty salty. If you want to keep the game closed, Put the quarterback in there who's you know not going to make mistakes, and that's not Tyler Van Dyke. I w- I would bench Tyler Van Dyke this week, Daniels. I but, would. Okay, but Emory Williams did not have a great statistical game. He was the winning quarterback, and he made a couple of decent second half passes. You now want to put a run tr- the ball and play defense. I understand. Run the ball and play defense. But there's no college football game where you're trying to beat the fourth ranked team of the country in their field that your quarterback doesn't have to throw a key pass. It just doesn't happen. Um, I'd be concerned that you're dropping a true freshman in that environment and expecting him to make big plays. You may end up being right in the sense that maybe they feel like uh, Tyler Van Dyke just is not there anymore, but that's a tall task for a freshman quarterback against an FSU defense, Mike, that's pretty good also. So we asked this question we were talking about on our show. Who has a better chance of pulling the upset this week? Is it Miami over Florida State or is it Florida over LSU? Both teams are about 14-point underdogs. And I said Miami has a better chance. I just don't see how Florida, with how their defense played against Arkansas and how their defense is banged up, I don't see how they can stay close to LSU with that offense LSU has. And Jaden Daniels is going to play this week. He's back from concussion protocol. And good for Brian Kelly for, like, announcing these things instead of trying to hide injuries. He so, gives an injury report. I, I don't think – yeah, I know he does. Yeah, so, yeah, and good yeah. for him for that. Yeah. I just don't think Florida can stay close enough, Daniels. Well, I I want to disagree, but I don't know if I can disagree because, again, I, I, I think a rivalry game, even though LSU-Florida has been a you know, bit of a rivalry, um, but – I I think Florida is going to play better than people think. I don't I don't think the win, the fact that Jane Daniels is playing, makes it hard to see how Florida can score enough points. Um, but LSU's defense has been missing some key guys as well. Um, my guess is you may end up. No, with, LSU has a terrible defense, no question. Yeah. So. so um, you know, if the game was at noon, I think I'd like Florida a little bit more. 
The night game thing at Baton Rouge, I think, is worth a few points. So if I have to pick, I'd probably agree about Miami. But I, I, I'm a believer my college football is a big emotional carryover sport. I don't think it's as much in the National Football League. And, and I'm not saying that that's why UCF can or will beat Oklahoma State. I'm just saying when you win certain games, you know what's the emotional carryover? In this case, LSU plays a great first half against Alabama, and then you know they can't stop Dale and Milrow and Bama wins, and you're like, okay, but what are they playing for now? And then for Florida, all you heard all week was how bad you are. And I, I think sometimes yeah. that that kind of is a motivator. But so you think the Gators are going to play better than we expect? Does that mean you think that they can actually get eleven guys on the field instead of ten or nine or however many when they're having a well? A if you can do it with twelve and not get bowl. caught, I would do that. But <laughs> um, I mean, I I may be dead wrong. And again, I think if you put me in the spot, I would probably agree about the Miami deal. I I I, I think Florida will score some points. I just don't know if they'll be able to stop Jaden Daniels in that offense. But there is something to what's left for LSU now. I mean, everything was at stake last week had they won and potential three-way tie in the West with Ole Miss had they won out, but although Ole Miss plays Georgia uh, 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 tomorrow. So, I mean, what's left for them? Yeah. So I was just making fun about how the Gators can't get enough players on the field during special teams or too many or not enough or the same players were in the same number. And I wrote a column about sort of that in today's Orlando Sentinel, Daniels. The Gators are becoming a punchline because of of this stuff. And you're, you're always the one who says, hey, when a narrative starts... It's hard to change that narrative. And and I do think Billy Napier's a pretty sharp guy, but the narrative out there is that the Gators are a bunch of clowns out there. They can't even count to 11 to get enough players on the field. Billy Napier needs to get this stuff cleaned up because the narrative is forming, Daniels. If you can't, People are laughing at the Gators. If you can't balance the scales and tilt them in a favorable way, then it does become a problem. Jimmy Johnson didn't care when his team would get one, two, five personal fouls in games because they were winning and beating everybody like a drum. Yeah. And um, you can get away with that. If you can't balance it with good things that lead to victories, then it does become a noise that's hard to uh, just blow it off. And I think as I read your column at theorlandosentinel.com this morning, as I always, plug. Um, Thank you. I think your point is right that Billy... Some of this stuff you can fix. You know, sometimes things are just out of your control. I mean, when you face somebody like, okay, they're just better. Like, nothing Florida's going to do was going to give them an advantage over George's lines. But getting the right personnel out there on plays, not having what happened in that field goal situation, those are things that you can control. doesn't guarantee you victory, but those are things that you can control. And I think you've got to get better at that. Mike, let me ask you this question. Do you think next year... And you and I both agree Billy Napier's a coach in 24. I'm pretty sure you think, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, does, yeah. He ha- does he have a special teams coach and, and, and an offensive coordinator? I think he definitely has a special teams coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I still wonder how stubborn he's going to be with the offensive coordinator. But if you were to ask me to bet on bet on it, I would say yes on both. I agree. 
And, and I don't think his fear is that, oh, then that means the public will think they won. You know, if somebody asks him, well, Billy, why'd you hire an offensive coordinator? He'll give the answer that every coach in recent years gives. And, and you know what that is? Hey, today's game, you got to be a CEO. You got to worry about things yeah. like NIL. You got to worry about not want to be available to yeah. all. And, and, and you know what? That's an acceptable answer. Even if it's like, it well, so, so, so you just didn't want to call plays anymore. No, that's, that's, that's now the common answer. So I, I think I'll have both next year. I do too. All right, so I I actually picked UCF to beat Oklahoma State. Um, obviously, Oklahoma State, they could have a letdown after that big victory at Bedlam last week against Oklahoma. But the reason I picked UCF is, I mean, we're all talking about Ollie Gordon and can UCF's defense stop Ollie Gordon. We all know how bad UCF's run defense has been, 130th in the country. But I, I was looking at Oklahoma's or Oklahoma State's defensive stats I think UCF's going to run the ball all over Oklahoma State, Daniels. Oklahoma State might not have the ball that much. Well, there are some numbers. That's why I think UCF can win, huh? Yeah, there are some numbers that indicate there may be a lot of points scored. UCF defense overall is 101. You mentioned against uh, uh, the run, and Oklahoma State's defense is 108th, giving up 418 points. Not as many rush uh, yards. They do give up 251 uh, passing, so there are some numbers that kind of indicate you may see some points scored. Uh, one big difference for Oklahoma State, and, and I even ask Gus Malzahn this, and it's kind of basic football. It's a turnover battle. UCF is minus five this year. Oklahoma State is plus five, and in the last five games, they're plus eight in the turnover battle. And Ooh. you know, games like this, you you you, you know, it, it sounds coach talk, but you got to protect the ball. You got to get a few things that bounce. Uh, your way. Look, I don't know if anybody's stopping Ollie Gordon. Just sometimes quarterbacks, I mean running backs, you know, in one of those zones. But UCF has to have some sort of plan. And, you know, to me, you've got to try to make Alex Bowman, the quarterback, um, Alan Bowman, the quarterback, has to make some third down plays to beat you. And, and that means you've got to be able to put them in those third down situations. Um, not that Bowman hasn't been good during the stretch of games. He's good, and he actually made a couple big third-down throws last week. But I think that's the key is you've got to put them in some third-down situations, and then you got to get off the field because that's been a problem in UCF losses. Even last week at Cincinnati, some back-breaking third-down conversions by Cincinnati that you just can't have happen. Why weren't they giving the ball to Ollie earlier in the year? Mike, uh, last year he had one start against West Virginia at the end of the season, and it ran for I think it was a buck forty-six, and um, he wasn't there. Uh, you know, the, like quarterback by committee, they did running back by committee to start the year, and all of a sudden he has a big breakout game. It's like let's give him the ball more, and since then he's been a workhorse, and um, it's a great story. I mean, he was a you know a, a decent recruit, but this wasn't like a must-get five-star guy, but. <laughs> Excuse me, it just had an incredible run and leads the nation in rushing. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch tomorrow. All right, we come back. More college and a little bit of pro football when the bridge brought to you by Abinelth continues next. That's right, the Friday Drive and Mike Bianchi spinning the great music before he got tickets coming up with a big concert this week and stick around by request. Here comes Rick Astley and Together Forever on Open Mic on 96.9, The Game. <laughs> 
perfect. He hits it every time. <laughs> Ends it right when the song started. The singing. Daniels, how do you do that? Oh, That's of, amazing. A lot of dead brain cells out there that know the music bed. Wow. You know Eric McCallister? Real quick. This, yeah, I'm sorry. Go first. Yes? Right up your alley here. Uh-huh. A little sports business. I know how much you love the sports business topics. Yeah. Why is Amway no longer going to be the the name of the arena? The Magic are getting ready to sign a new naming rights partner. Well, gonna, Why wouldn't Amway just... Re- Huh? If someone's going to give you money as opposed to sliding money from one family account to the other, why would you not take new money? Okay, okay, I got you. I mean, well, couldn't they have taken? Couldn't they have taken money ten years ago? Sure, but now maybe it's reached a point that they're like, wait a minute, someone else is going to give us money. We don't have to switch from one account to the other. I mean, Amway money is still DeVos money, so. If someone's going to come along, I'm a little dinner. sad about that, Daniels. I always, always, you know, I don't like arenas changing names. It happens all the time in sports. Yeah, and obviously. I don't know how much, for example, the city has a say. Where you know, in years past, I mean, the Magic don't own that building. They're the main operators. Main I tenant. think they own the naming rights, right? To but, it, but I'm sure the city still has some sort of say. If you have a chance to get new money, then uh, you take new money. I ever tell you I used to be an Amway salesman? What? Yeah, when huh? I was in college, when I was in college, Daniels, I worked part time at Kmart in the sporting goods Nothing department. Nothing wrong with that. And the sport, and the sporting goods manager uh, had an Amway meeting. He was an Amway salesman, and he had us all over to his house and showed us the you know how you make a lot of money selling Amway. And I got all fired up, and I signed up, and I think it cost me like sixty three dollars. To become an ant, and I was gonna. I, I had visions of being a diamond distributor and making friends, you know, you know, millions of dollars. Downline, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I got the Amway kit with all the soap Ooh. and detergent in it. Oh, I was fired up. I was gonna make millions selling yep. Amway, and I ended up ended up selling all the soap and detergent in the kit to my mom. So uh, my mom allowed me to break even and get my $63 back. Mm. But for a short time, I was an Amway salesman. Huh. Yeah. Can That's I tell why you? I, I'm sad that Amway will no longer be the naming rights sponsor for the arena. I'll tell you my uh, MLM story. Uh okay. was an Amway, but one... Uh, uh, after I graduated from Florida, which was December of 88, I went back home before I moved to Orlando in May of 89. And mm-hmm. I was doing odd jobs in South Florida, video production, things like that. And someone goes, hey, you got to come to a meeting. So I go and, you know, it's multi-level marketing. And mm-hmm. whatever the product is, doesn't matter. And I went to my dad and he's like, uh, no chance. He goes, but come back when you've lost $500. And I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> So I came back after I'd lost almost $500, and I go, Dad, I'm down this much. He goes, well, have you figured out it doesn't work yet? Like, I'm thinking maybe Dad will bail me out, and he was like, come back, we lost 500 bucks. Dad, I lost 500 bucks. Well, what'd you learn? (laughs) You clown. At least my mom gave me the $63. My dad's like, lesson learned, you know? Lesson learned. You know uh, Eric McAllister is? It's okay if you don't. 
I know who Billy Joe McAllister yeah. is. He jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Yeah. Huh? Eric McAllister is uh, Boise State's best receiver. Okay. And Boise State is having one of their worst years uh, ever at 4-5. and five. And Eric McAllister left the team a couple days ago to enter the transfer mm. portal. That's not mm. open. because It's not open for a couple weeks, right? Correct. But Boise State people believe that he already knows where he's going and said school may don't Maybe he doesn't want him playing and risking injury in the final three games. Ooh, that's... I don't like that. Andy Avalos, the coach is on a hot seat, didn't specifically mention McAllister, but then did give one of those answers to a question. Do you want the honest answer to the question? He's like, yeah. He goes, okay, either we step up and pay or we're going to keep losing guys like Eric McAllister. That was his answer. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So... I mean, it's like, yeah. Okay. Did you see that the uh, did you see that the Lane Kiffin yelling at the kid who's who um, allegedly has mental health issues got leaked out there, Daniels? Yes. Mm. And we played it earlier. What were what were your thoughts on the? Uh, it's not a good look for Lane Kiffin, obviously, but but um, obviously he's number nine in the country, so nothing's going to happen with him. But you know what, what do you think? What what do you think? What do you think will happen with that? Well, first off, what I find interesting is if you click on any one of the links to the audio, and it was A.J. Perez at Front Office Sports that had it first, and you read mm-hmm. the reactions, it, it it's interesting, Mike, because it, you know, in some ways it's a microcosm of society. There's a portion of responses that'll be like, look, maybe Lane Kiffin's right in theory, but did he have to go to the approach that he went? Could he have said, look, by you not communicating with us no idea what was going on so i've got a i've got to kind of take you off this roster right now and, and maybe there's a chance for you to kind of explain but, but right now i can't allow that precedent of someone that disappears for you know three four weeks and just walk back in um but there are some people that will justify kiffin's language and the way that he did it and then there are others that will take the approach like link could have handled it uh, better. What I don't know is, and, and it's a question that I haven't seen written about or Kiffin answer. Yes, he 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 leaves the team, and it's two, three, four weeks, and no one hears from him. What did you do to find him? Did anybody go out of their way to make sure that he's okay? Because I think that is the responsibility of Old Miss. You can be disappointed that he uh, good didn't point. communicate. Good point. Yeah, like I would agree that if he's got to take a pause for mental health issues let the proper channels know but i i would like to know when did you go out of your way and what did you do to try to find him because in 2023 it can't be that hard to find somebody now if old miss says here's 20 text messages here's 15 phone calls we asked all their friends and so forth and they said that he was at his apartment and he doesn't respond okay but there's a little bit of context that's missing uh, from this story Here's the here's the issue I have with it. All right, the issue I have is first of all, I don't think a coach should be talking to his a, a player who who at least says he has mental health issues. All right, I don't think you should be talking to a player like that. Uh, you know, with all the you know calling him a, the f word, you effing p word, all of this stuff. I don't think that should be going on. And Evidently, the guy is suing Ole Miss because he said he got kicked off the team 
even though you know he was trying to deal with mental health issues, and Ole Miss said, says we didn't kick him off the team. But Lane Kiffin says in this recorded conversation, "You're off the team. I can kick you off the team." So how the, how how does that? Well, part of his lawsuit work in well, a court of law, but. Hmm? Well, actually, in, in Mississippi, both parties are required to know uh, that it's being recorded. So even though you hear it and you can react, he can't use it in a court of law because it, it, it's illegal in Mississippi. Um, and, you know, the other part of this in, in his lawsuit, he's also claiming racial discrimination. He's claiming that a white player would not get kicked off the team for something similar. That's why they requested a dismiss of the lawsuit. Um, because they just don't believe the basis is there for the forty million dollars. Uh, now, the, you you just said something about both parties have to know. I'm reading the ESPN story, and it says during the meeting, the player Rollins legally recorded Kiffin without his knowledge. I don't believe Mississippi so I don't know is. What uh, I, I believe Mississippi is. Both parties have to agree. Okay, I, I, don't I think I've read that. I'll, I'll go back and check, but but I think. I think that's the case in Mississippi. Not every state is the same law. Gotcha. All right, peace, love, boil peanuts. Have a great show, a great call to tomorrow's game, and a great weekend. Thank you, Mikey. Friday, this should be the sports. It's next. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.